Hello and welcome to Sleeper 2021, a series of conversations with the major players in the world of hospitality, experience and design. Summer is really here, especially if you're in Miami, where today's guest has both a home and an office soon to open and is very connected with the locality, both for her work at the Delano and Mondrian hotels. She also works from New York and there was involved with the Royalton, Hudson, Gramercy Park and other hotels with Ian Schrager. More recently, she's added Eleven Howard, Asprey Ocean Club, and Asprey Hotel to her portfolio. We are joined by one of the industry's most influential designers, Anda Andre, president and founder of Anda Andre Design. Today, we will be exploring the changes she has seen and wants to see, what has pushed her to succeed, and the shifts in our industry. I'm Guy Dietrich, editor-at-large of Sleeper Magazine, and this is the Sleeper 2021 podcast series. Welcome, Anda. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Guy. So nice to see you and to talk with you. Let's find out how you got into uh, the hospitality design scene in the first place. Let me try to make a long story very short. So born in Romania, educated in Romania. My father was an architect. Didn't think much about what I want to do when I'm going to grow up. So it was obvious I'm going to be an architect. Finished architecture school, a master in Romania, and then left uh, uh, during the dark years of Ceausescu for uh, the world. Um, ended up in Rome, um, life between lives, quite amazing. And uh, proud to say this is my uh, where my hospitality experience started <laughs> since uh, in order to be able to stay at this pensione, uh, I got a job to clean the rooms. So uh, <laughs> I really, <laughs> we can say I really started from the bottom up. Uh, not that suddenly I had a huge love for hospitality by cleaning the rooms in, uh, <laughs> in Rome. But no anyway, yeah. we can say that that's how it started. But uh, I have to say spending, you know, lending from Ceausescu time, Romania, pretty dark times in 1981 in uh, Rome, in Italy, was more than magic, much more than magic. It was incredible. So after uh, waiting to be accepted as a refugee in the States, one day you get the call. Uh, I remember we were in Capri and uh, got the call that we had to come to America. So here we go. Uh, the uh, it was the time of the airstrike uh, controller at the airport. Uh, the the trip took like three days. We were on the plane with all refugees uh, from a lot of countries. Time of the hunger in Ethiopia, whatever Solidarność, times. I, when I talk about it, it really feels like so many lives ago. It's incredible. Sure. So, so here we go. We arrived in America and uh, I, uh, we started looking for a job. I was with my late husband. And uh, within a week, uh, I uh, interviewed at Grusen Sampton Steinglass, which was um, at that time a very, um, quite a large architectural company, famous for two uh, programs, prisons and hotels, because they are actually the same thing. <laughs> they really are. The level of luxury might not be the same, but at the end of the day, they are small rooms or large rooms. 
uh, luxurious or not luxurious. So windows anyway. or no windows. Exactly. But they served <laughs> more or less the same purpose. So uh, I, uh, lucky enough, I was assigned to the hotel division and not to the prison division. And, uh, and this is how um, I started working uh, in uh, hospitality. I remember the first projects were, I don't know, the Hyatt in, actually even the Grand Hyatt in New York, then the Hyatt in Buffalo. And, and I, I was very, very surprised of how it's organized in America. The fact that the architects do one side, the interior designers do another side, the hospitality, the brand comes and tells you a lot of other stuff uh, about what they want. The developer is... Uh, because coming from Europe is much more of a kind of, you look at the whole thing together and you are not so separated into disciplines. So I was not very much enjoying that after doing the architecture, somebody was coming in and covering it up with a lot of stuff that in order to not actually see it. Okay. <laughs> so from that point of view, that was uh, three years into it, um, uh, the company I work for gets hired by. Uh, Ian Schrager to do the Royalton Hotel. I was the strangest, uh, weirdest, uh, speaking French, uh, whatever. I was not totally the corporate architect that, uh, you know, so I fitted probably the image better. They assigned <laughs> me to the Royalton. And uh, then, uh, then come 29 years <laughs> of uh, just was a breathtaking project in all honesty and working with the best people in the world, the most innovating, creative, breaking all the rules um, and uh, each project being like a total reinvention of what a hotel should be. Both both uh, Stark and Schrager arguably were, were rule breakers. Um, did did they just poach you from from the the, the company that was helping out with the Royalton and say come yes, work for yes, us? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's what happens. They came, they offered me a job, and then I started uh, as I say working for them. So already in the mid in the process of doing the Royalton, I started working for for Schrager, and um, that's it. So, so did this sort of renew your 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 love for the, the the job you were doing, having had your previously had your 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 work being, like you say, covered over by the interior designer? Well, yes, because suddenly here you are, you are at least uh, I would say not in control. You are on the part of the team that's in control of all the pieces, as opposed to being told what to do by a lot of other people, because suddenly you know. <laughs> You know what's the interior design with uh, the architecture and now with the operation and now with whatever the mood and feel and the music and the food, everything comes together, the graphics and the images. So suddenly it's the way I always imagine it should be, which is it's one vision that can follow through everything as opposed to many little pieces that I don't know who actually puts it together. He's a magician someplace, but... Anyway, so now I was in part of the magician team as opposed to just being told whatever has to be done. So uh, kind of just a lucky break, really, that you, you got into this. Uh, super, super yeah. lucky break. Super, like really, yeah. For whatever 
life takes, life gives, because uh, <clears throat> when we arrived in America, actually three days later, we were uh, in a welfare hotel talking about scary places, scary hotels in uh, <clears throat> very scary hotels. And everything was stolen. Absolutely everything that came, everything. So talking about a clean start with the clothes that you wear that day and that's it. So from that point of view, yes, you get some amazing lucky breaks as well. And look at you now. You were working for some some uh, with Traeger and Stark on some you know pretty like groundbreaking properties. Let's face it, Royalton, uh, Delano down in uh, in Miami. Um, any sort of favorites? Well, I have to say each of these projects. It's incredibly dear to me. I still love them looking back. Not that they still are there in the shape that they were done. Uh, and probably, it, I would definitely think it was an evolution. But uh, for many, many years, everything was in a way, you had to design everything from scratch. You have to kind of, from the sink in the bathroom to the door handle to the hook that you are kind of hanging your clothes in the closet everything had to be designed from scratch which means that indirectly besides kind of creating a hotel and creating you know bringing in sugar's vision to life it was really like a lab lab for a lot of products, a huge yeah. amount of products. And you had one of the best product designers on the team as well in Philippe Stark. So well, Philippe Stark, exactly. So it was like producing all this. Now, as a result, I have to say, uh, normal products get developed and get tested before they get produced. We had to more or less produce them. And then the testing was the guests coming. So sometimes some of them were not perfectly working as expected. But all in all, I have to say the, the range was incredible and the, the creativity and the desire to invent everything. So was that Schrager's idea, really? This, this, every single hotel had to be its own brand, if you like. Definitely, it was his, uh, his uh, ethos to, to create. And for each of them, it had to be one of a kind, a quintessential kind of hotel for the place it was in. It was never like move them around. It's actually the, the opposite of a brand. And if you think about it, initially, the boutique hotel was actually an alternative to all the big brands. Uh, at that point, everything I called them was beige and everything was the same. And their principle was that no matter where you are, when you wake up, you should feel in the same place. And this was the opposite of it, actually. No matter where you are, no, you should know where you are. And you should definitely <laughs> experience that place where you are in the best possible way. So, yes, I would say that almost each of the hotels was a brand by itself. And then you went on, though, however, to do uh, uh, the additions, or at least some of them, the early days of the additions, uh, and, and uh, some other brand work. And you've done that with Hyatt, obviously, you mentioned uh, in, in your, early, your early years. Um, how, do you, how do you think that brands need to express themselves uh, differently? Uh, to, to create the sort of sense of point of difference between one brand and the next? Uh... I think actually due to all those years of doing 
the Delano, the Paramount, the Royal Tomb, the Montreal, whatever, all the beginning of all these hotels. And uh, for some, for Ian and a couple of other major visionaries in the hotel industry, the brand had to adjust and they had to change the way they do things. So at the end of the day, the brands, sometimes the way they've done it is by trying to, I don't know, to kind of create a book of the rules of how to break the rules, <laughs> which is a bit kind of funny when you think about it. Uh, w came as a like a major brand that broke the rules of the other ones. And I'm sure it was in many ways inspired by the years of what Ian did. W and like they are very successful in what they do. It's one of a kind that's tried to make this into an idea that kind of can carry it around. So yes, it took a long time. I always said that for many years, we were the only girl in town to date, but then suddenly there were, of course, more and more and some very, uh, very well done. The ACE came about also, which was another very strong idea that became a new brand. Sure. And did you, did you, what was your reaction to that when you saw the, these other, you know, the W's, the Aces and what have you um, coming on? It seems, <laughs> seems that Schrager went to, to, to rather than fight, fight them, he joined the party, uh, hooking up, uh, well, setting up the edition and joining in with Marriott and what have you. Um, was it a sort of question of joining these, uh, this other wave of development or, or sticking with the, uh, the same path? I don't think you can stick with the same path. I think the path, you know, for, for, it's always, you have to renew, you have to reinvent. And suddenly all the rules change. At the beginning, nobody was doing that, but then suddenly a lot of people were doing that. So now you're trying to be the best out of the group that are all doing that. So to be the best, you kind of have to a bit join their kind of structure, not necessarily their expression, but uh, you do have to adapt and keep changing. Well, let's talk about change. How, how do you think design has really changed from those early days you mentioned at the Royalton and, and Paramount and various other properties where you had to, you know, you were bespoking pretty much all, all the furniture, even down to the taps and door handles and things. How, how have things changed to, to what you're doing now uh, at, at your more um, your more recent projects? Well, I have to admit, I still try to push for a lot of bespoke and unique pieces done for each of the properties which in a way makes them unique and kind of new and not so easy to be kind of copied in. Because a lot of times the copies come like the day before you open it. <laughs> if, you, if, the, if the pictures and the renderings get published before, you end up seeing it in some stores. It's so crazy the, the speed in which things get copied. So from that point of view, I don't think it's um, for, a, at the beginning, it was very much for every object, especially with Philip Starr, which like, that's, is all about that. Every object was a unique creation, very hard to copy, very like, I never saw something like that before. Some things were not functioning, some were functioning, right? But uh, at one point, it's so much out there. It's so much. It's so much for also in terms of range, budget-wise, from cheap to very, very expensive. 
that at this point, it's how you put them together much more than how each of the objects, it's kind of by itself <laughs> and how the whole thing kind of is harmonious together. Yeah, so, so there's a, I, a huge range of, of, of products out there and it's a question of the composition of those elements. It's a composition and just to try to kind of get the spirit you're trying to get across and the, the, the whole kind of feel of, of the place. Because I, I don't think you can beat up anymore. Like how, how many millions of chairs can you have? How many millions of faucets you have? You have? I don't think it's about creating like, oh my God, I never saw something like that in my life. No, I never saw things put together like that in my life. It's all about experience, right? It's all about experience. And at the end, it's much more about how you feel. I mean, it's always an emotion when, I have to say, even myself, when I was walking at the Delano, it's like, it's a moment like, it, it takes your breath away for a second. The grammar, it takes your breath away. Like, oh my God. It's like, so it's, it was always this emotion, transporting. I, I came out with a, my kind of the world that the the word that I use, especially in the latest hotels I've done, is that if they are transporting, take you to a different place. I'm very very happy. <laughs> to be transported, Trans yeah, transported. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Very good. Well, listen, we just talked there a little bit about emotion and experience and what have you, um, and your. Recent properties have done very well in our head, head awards. Um, if I think it back to 2017, you had five shortlistings for the 11 Howard. You also had three <laughs> for the Asprey Hotel down in New Jersey. Uh, and then I think it was in 2020, you were had a, had a win for uh, the Asprey Ocean Club uh, for the beach brunt funch for the resort, for resort, and also uh, for Beachfront Beauty in our Global Awards 2020. Um, Eleven Howard in 2017 uh, won for hotel renovation uh, restoration, uh, restaurant lobby and public spaces. That's just three wins at the regional level. And then in 2019 at our Global Awards, you won best resort there as well. So um, phenomenal success um, from sort of th the three properties you've entered there. Can we talk perhaps a little bit about uh, each of those properties, um, perhaps starting with, with Eleven Howard? Um, tell us a little bit about that. I know there were restrictions on, on, on what you, how you, much floor space you could use on the ground floor, so you had to sort of turn things upside down a little <laughs> bit. Um, you worked with our great friends at Space Copenhagen, uh, Sinja and Peter. So right. tell us a bit about how, how and why that was so successful. Well, Eleven Howard, First of all, it was a holiday inn. It was really a rundown building, but from the outside, very good bones, really very good bones. And um, uh, A.B. Rosen approached me and we started talking about who should we bring, because if it's one thing, by the way, that I am incredibly proud of everything I've done is that it was always an amazing collaboration and a group of great, great, great talented people that were kind of together to, to do every property I ever done. And it's the mix of the ideas and the, all the, you know, the heads put together that made it so special always. So um, I'm guessing I, that, that comes from your, your Schrager Stark times when yes, you have this mix of all yeah, different people. Uh, John Pawson, Herzog and Delmeron. I mean, you can, uh, I can go, I was so lucky to, to be able to work truly with the best, best, best designers, architects in lighting designer, landscape designer in the world today. Definitely. I remember I was always uh, keeping an eye on 
all the new designers and what they are doing and what's kind of special about them. And I noticing in Peter from a couple of projects I've seen. And uh, I, in, also, I always loved so much that this aesthetic that it's like, you know, the, hmm, the Danish design that's not so in your face, but in the same time, it's not so minimal that it's kind of supposed to just disappear. So it, I always loved their work. So I brought them on and uh, we, we actually hit it off right away. It was the fastest project I ever done. It was 18 months from beginning to end. I still cannot believe that this was possible. I, I, I see, I'm like, how can you do a hotel in so fast? Now, we were very disciplined as far as like we were not touching the walls. We decided that all the rooms will just be more or less the same shape that they were, except some that we made larger, but most of them were the same. And a high, and high we, ce- small, small rooms as usual in New York, but quite high ceilings, I think. Very high ceiling. Some of them are like 12 foot ceiling, which is very, very special for New York. And some with big arch windows, which makes it suddenly that it's not so small. And the bathrooms were the existing bathrooms that were again were small, but somehow with a lot of smart design, you can make them. And those good bones you talked about. The good bones. Now, uh, so it happens in that area, it's down Soho. You are not allowed to have uh, much. uh, hotel space on the ground floor everything is supposed to be dedicated to retail which means basically that you cannot have a lobby a real lobby on the ground floor by real lobby i mean the way we know it with a front desk with a sitting area with a whatever the, everything that a hotel kind of has on the ground floor but it was actually i go back to philip stark actually which taught me the biggest lesson of my life that every problem is actually an incredible opportunity in design. So that's how this worked out for us. It was also the time where technology was making huge advancements. So the whole idea of using the traditional front desk was not necessarily so important and you could do it much more on an iPad and much more like uh, in a very informal, different way than the traditional hotels. But we just talked about this idea of, of the sense of arrival. How did you manage to get around this idea then of not having this, this either grand or, or whatever lobby space at the entrance? Well, I have to say the volume itself was very special. We dealt with it more like creating an art gallery than a real lobby. Now, it definitely helps when A.B. Rosen is the owner and we were able to go to him and said... We would rather not have a chandelier in this lobby. Can we have a calder instead? <laughs> so, of course, it's much easier when you get a calder installed in the middle of it. And, but even like the desk itself and the benches, everything was done much more like a sculpture garden than a real lobby. So from that point of view, walking in was as surprising because you never expected you are going to walk into this almost a cube with these objects that were between sculpture and functioning as a desk or as a bench, but much more like a sculpture piece. And, and do people actually sit on these uh, benches and, and what have you? Or yeah, they yeah, yeah, they do through? it. No, 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 they do. They have to wait sometimes, but it's a very fast process process i mean the as i said the technology helped a lot and it, it you come they, they 
welcome you in a very special way. They take you. So it's it's easy and fast. Some people do because you wait for a car. You, that's usually where you end up sitting because sure. you wait for a car, not, not to be checked in. But definitely it's like this, like you look around, you cannot be there. Oh my God. It's like, and seen in Peter designed that incredible, beautiful metal screen. And so very, very special sculptural objects there. You can become part of the sculpture. Yeah. So that was, and then uh, all the public spaces happen upstairs, which again, worked very much more like in a home. Everything was done like in somebody's home. Very comfortable, very like easygoing, easygoing. Beautiful hotel, uh, beautiful rooms. Um, and, and what about the, the, the nice bar? You've got a nice bar there. The Blonde. The Blonde. The Blonde was uh, pretty, yeah, it still is. I don't know, it worked out as a super sexy place, I have to say. What, and, made, it, what, uh, made, it sex, what made it sexy? Well, first, how it was designed. I mean, it was really designed like super super sexy and i remember like we seen in peter trying to learn oh let's put color that was like a challenge that i threw at them a lot like i wanted more color color not so but everything was kind of moody and sexy and then the art that came on the wall kind of added another layer and the flowers that came in the place they did another layer and then the uniforms that we designed with this great kind of kind of fashion designer, all in lace. So everything, really, all the pieces came together for the blonde. So this is great. This idea of holistic things, this, uh, I, the idea that you know there's there's much more to the, the than than just the design itself, and the fact that the design has got this ability to really create a, a bigger experience as a whole. And I, you have to always give credit to the owner and the operator because I always said, and I, there are examples, unfortunately, plenty of beautifully designed places, then six months later close. Design cannot carry on the long run anything unless it's kind of backed up with an incredible concept for the food, for the drinks, for the music for the the vibe if it's not all together design can just bring them the first time maybe the second time but they don't come back the other one i'd really like to look at is the asbury ocean club the asbury park in general so that was a very different kind of project that was kind of like took over which very very special but very different than all my experience before that so jay sugarman who is the CEO of um, iStar, always believed in beach town properties and beach properties. So as a result, he assembled over the years a lot of pieces in Asbury Park. Uh, just, to, just, one, to, just let people who don't know Asbury Park, it's, it's on New Jersey, it's on the Jersey shoreline. Um, how, how far from Manhattan? It's describe? like an hour and 10 minutes from Manhattan. It has a very... Uh, uh, actually rather incredible and unique history. It was uh, at one point developed by uh, a couple of visionaries that brought in the, the same architects that did the Grand Central Station <laughs> to, to uh, kind of create these grand buildings there. They have a casino and they have some ballrooms and they have uh, whatever, a lot of historical, beautiful buildings. And uh, all on the beach with an incredible boardwalk. They had at one point the biggest pool in the world. 
They had the biggest, whatever, uh, the biggest and the, the longest, whatever, the American one. Uh, and, um, but it fell apart historically a lot of times. There were fires, there were riots, there were like, you know, a lot of problems. Hurricanes. <laughs> no. uh, it became very famous for music. Bruce Springsteen comes always to mind. So, so one day I met in the street Jay Sugarman, which I knew for many years before, and uh, whose wife was a very famous designer on her own. Kelly Bean used to work with me many years ago. Okay, okay. And uh, he said, um, I think I have a project for you. And what do you think about the Asbury Park? And the only thing that could come to mind when you say Asbury Park for me was Bruce Springsteen. Absolutely <laughs> nothing else. And he took me there and it was the coldest coldest, coldest, coldest day of the year in February and the winds were blowing and he showed me the place and it was it was something so interesting because it had history, it had culture, it has real life because of the music and uh, it's grungy a bit but the boardwalk. So suddenly and he it made perfect sense that that place has incredible potential and it's an hour and 15 minutes away from New York and he assembled all this acreage so then we started talking about how to go about to start and we felt that the best way is to do a hotel because if you have a hotel, people will come, they will start appreciating. And the fastest way to do a hotel is to do a renovation. And that's how the first Asbury Park Hotel came about. Yeah. Again, shortlisted in our 2017 Head uh, America right. Awards. Yeah. Right, right. And after that, so this was like the, you know, the young and cool and, kind of very kind of easygoing place. And then the next one was a much more elevated hotel right on the beach, which was the Ocean Club, which come, came next. In between, there were a lot of other projects there. We did the, we renovated the Asbury Lanes, which was an old historical lane. So everything, and by the way, they were all connected through kind of tunnels or back entries. So it, slowly, slowly, one block at a time, Asbury Park is going to become something else in the next 20 years or 30 years. And, and, and you, were in, you were in at the start. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the, the Ocean Club then, Asbury Ocean Club. So Ocean Club was really the first real luxury place in Asbury, right on the beach, a, a whole block. <clears throat> and uh, it has a hotel component and a residential component. And I, I think that the biggest idea there, and again, I'm going to use the word transporting, was uh, normally, especially if you live, I mean, in New York, you, you need to take a plane or you need to drive to the Hamptons all the way, you know, in traffic a long, long way. But mostly you need to take a plane to be in a resort-like place. So suddenly, you had the opportunity to drive an hour and 15 minutes to a resort-like place. And um, the whole idea, because we, we had to create this huge parking garage, everything is lifted four floors up in the air. So we basically moved the beach on the fifth floor of the building, creating this incredible dune garden, Madison Cox, the best landscape guy in the world. <laughs> I always said that he taught me that more is more, unlike John Paulson, they teach you that less is more. But land, when it comes to landscape, it's true, more is more. That was probably the most amazing gesture that we were able to do there. To, we lifted everything five floors up in the air, 
uh, you have perfectly like uh, views, clear views to the ocean everywhere. We moved a dune garden. We created a dune garden up on top of a garage. And we organized all the rooms of the hotel, not at all like in a high rise is a corridor or whatever, left and right room. They are all organized around this dune garden, which is something that you expect in a resort on the sand by the water. But this time was kind of lifted up in the air. I find this um, interesting because I must say I was surprised when when, uh, Asprey Ocean Club won in the resort category and then our Beachfront Beauty Award at the global level because uh, it was up against some fantastic um, other I know, amazing like real resorts, um, ones on, on, on Maui or, or, or in, in, in Southeast Asia on these fantastic beaches and private islands in the Maldives and what have you. And there we got, I mean, I know New Jersey a little bit and you're going like, wow, this is incredible. <laughs> but the, the judges obviously got it too. So um, yeah, well done. Um, so there's a, you mentioned there's a residential component there in, in the uh, Asprey Ocean Club, and I know that you've got some residential projects on the go. How much of a crossover do you feel there is between your hotel work and, and the work on the, on the residential projects? Well, the residential, it's more and more about lifestyle. The hotels were always about lifestyle. Yeah. So that is like suddenly they blended. So you want an apartment with all the services and the amenities of a hotel. So in many ways, the programs become almost one and the same. There is a difference in terms of design, but definitely when it comes to the public spaces of the residential places, they are as complex and they have exactly the same aspects as in any great hotel I ever done. They want a gym and a spa and a restaurant and a bar and the co-working spaces and swimming pools and children area and teen areas and games and because it's all about the lifestyle. And do you see this then as sort of a future for not even resort resorts, but all sorts of uh, urban properties as well? in terms of having sort of this mixed use arrangement where there'll be a bit of retail, a bit of office, but also it's living spaces, it's co-working, uh, and then these, these public uh, food and beverage outlets and, and uh, other entertainment amenities? I definitely believe that people will expect more and more to live like that. And by the way, it's not unique. It, came, it comes back. Because when you go to Miami and you look at the buildings that were done in the, you know, whatever, in the 40s, they all had these huge amenities. And then they were all abandoned. And now suddenly they all want them back. Because it's a socializing between the people. It's, like, it's also like the, the need to be again in a small village, I guess, that we all have. What about the fact that, you know, people are, are go to hotels because it's, it's not home? Um, and yet you, they're, they're saying, could you design me a, a, a residence that feels like a hotel? Can, can you really make that happen? Well, let's see. So <clears throat> for many, many years, as I said, we were doing this uh, you know, the Schrager hotels. Everything was a one of a kind. Every object was bespoke for that hotel. We were getting calls nonstop. Can you sell us this? Can you sell us this? Can you sell us my chair? Whatever. Everything. Everybody wanted to buy what's in the hotel because there were things that didn't exist. Obviously, we are not selling anything. But what definitely is the essence of that is that I find that hotels should be a bit of a fantasy world. And when you travel, 
you don't want to be home. You want to be in a different place. I don't want to mention COVID, but after all this time being home, I think everybody wants to be in a <laughs> fantasy place. Sure. You want to be transported away from home. <laughs> exactly. The, ho the whole hotel is a home from home. I mean, no, I've got a home, thank you. I want to go somewhere different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this whole home from home away from home should not be. No. So as a result, you know, hotels allow you, once you, you are allowed to, you have to create a certain fantasy and again, transporting people in a different place, you can get away with much more. In a home, you cannot get away with that stuff because in a hotel, you don't spend, you spend a week, you spend a couple of days. It's not like I need to live with this strange thing for whatever. That So hotels give you a much more flexible range to design. Much the ability, more. The ability to be the more dramatic. It's more dramatic, more, more, more crazy, more whatever. You can do things that definitely in a home you cannot do. You shouldn't do. That's you shouldn't. You get tired of them. It's not necessarily perfect to live in. And do you think that uh, hotels also have the, the opportunity or more likely to go through sort of regular refurbishments and renovations? So therefore they can be upgraded, whereas someone's home's probably not going to experience that? Yes, but that's a double sword, I have to say. And that's uh, it, if the word sustainable is becoming the word, a very, very, very important part of our lives. You cannot ignore that. You, you can't, I mean, like, or whatever. Sure. brands, chains that ignore it are not going to make it. So one of the major things of sustainability is not to throw out everything uh, every five years. It, it just shouldn't be. Now, if a design is great design, you should not have to throw everything out and redo it every five years for the sake of new. Now, Interior design architecture should not be like fashion. And even fashion should not be like fashion. We strickle, you know, four collections a year that you throw everything out. No, that should not be. So right. there is something about the respect of, you know, that's why there are examples like I love the 11 Howard because the way that design is, I think it's going to grow better and better in time. It's going to age beautiful. And yes, you have to reupholster stuff, but you do not have to change everything. Understood. Patinate nicely. Yeah, very good. Very good. Super. Lots and lots of great ideas there. And I think we could go on um, at length, but uh, you've got to get on. Um, and we thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you, guys. Very nice. Very nice to kind of get to know you, not on the award stage only. My very, very deep and sincere thanks and a founder and president of Ander Andre Designs. I'm Guy Dietrich. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>